It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shoei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Sure as God made green apples, someday... The Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series, and maybe sooner than we think. Is he alive? This is going to be a tough play. What's going on, Cubs fans? I am Sean Sears, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. On today's episode, we bring on Ryan Davis to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. It's about two weeks out. We address some of the issues this Cubs team has, particularly with the bullpen and maybe finding another right-handed hitter, but obviously it's going to be a very quiet deadline with teams pretty much teeter-tottering, trying to decide between if they're you know, have a real shot at getting that second playoff spot or if they're going to sell. There's only a couple true sellers right now in baseball. So it's slim pickings, but Ryan and I kind of pick out some names we think you should pay attention to. But before we get into that, we do recap Tuesday night's win as you Darvish looked fantastic against the Cardinals once again. Uh, Cubs beat them 6-3 to three Tuesday night. We'll preview Wednesday's doubleheader as well as uh, Lucas Smith and I from the Lockdown Cardinals podcast will be doing a live show after the second doubleheader Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that on the live Lockdown Network page. But before we jump into all that, of course, you want to make sure if you have not yet, you are subscribed to Lockdown Cubs and whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. Uh, also, make sure you're checking out one of our sponsors, Cubs Insider. Head to Cubs Insider to read about how you Darvish has cemented his ace credentials even further for Tuesday night. A great article from Evan Altman kind of going over how you Darvish has really just turned heads and felt like even yesterday... Um, <laughs> Not even just a very dominating start, but still a really good start for Darvish. So read about that and more. Cubs Insider, official sponsor of Lockdown Cubs. 
And then make sure you're heading to rockauto.com, one of our official sponsors for the show. Rock Auto's got amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com, tell them Lockdown sent you to get yourself a uh, discount courtesy of Lockdown. But with that, let's jump into this quick uh, recap of Tuesday night's win here. As I mentioned, Cubs win 6-3. to It's you, Darvish, on the mound facing Daniel Ponce de Leon. This was an incredibly long game, partially because Ponce de Leon takes forever to deliver baseballs. Um, but Darvish on the night, he improves his record to 4-1. He won six innings, allowed eight hits, but only allowed one run. One walk and seven strikeouts lowered his ERA down to 1.80. Ponce de Leon managed to go three into third. He allowed three hits, two earned runs, three walks, seven strikeouts, and a homer. A massive shot from Ian Happ, no doubter, right up into the middle of center field. So let's take a look at the scoring. It doesn't start till Ian Happ gets a hold of that Ponce de Leon 1-1 fastball in the bottom of the third, crushing it to deep, they say, left field. Yeah, yeah I guess it was left field. Um, <laughs> crest to left field. Cubs take a 1-0 lead. Jason Hayward in the bottom of the fourth then after Wilson Contreras walks, hits a triple down the right field side. Contreras scores on the play. Cubs now up 2-0. Paul Goldschmidt gets a run back, though, in the top of the fifth. He hits a single into right field that drives in Colton Wong, who had singled into left field two batters before. Cardinals get a run back. Cubs still up 2-1. Then Kyle Schwarber. Whew! This was crushed. Uh, absolutely annihilated after set off of Seth Elveridge. Um Coming right after Javier Baez scorched the double into center field, who was very excited for that double. And then when he saw the 3-2 ball that Schwarber annihilated into right field, the reaction Javier Baez has at second base is about what everyone else saw because Schwarber unleashed on this ball. Absolute laser to right field. Cubs up 4-1. Bottom of the seventh, the Cubs get a couple insurance runs. These were huge. Victor Carantini hits a double into right field after Jason Hayward singled along with David Bodie. Uh, Hayward scores. Bodie gets up to third, and then Kipnis drives in Bodie on a sack fly, fly ball to right field. Bodie scores. Carantini does move up to third. I was a little nervous on the play that Carantini was going to get tagged out before uh, David Bodie scored at third because he is not fast. But luckily, the Cubs tack on two more runs. They're up 6-1 after the top, bottom of the seventh. Top of the eighth, the Cardinals do get some runs back. Casey Sadler, after a strong inning prior going 1-2-3, struggles a little bit. He walks Tommy Edmond and then walks Paul Goldschmidt. He's then replaced by Dan Winkler, um, who immediately serves up an OO uh, inside. It looked like Cutter on the inside. Matt Carpenter crushes right field for a single. Edmond scores because he's crazy fast. Um, Goldschmidt moves up to third. Brad Miller then walks. So the base is loaded. Dylan Carson grounds into a double play. The Cubs trade a run for the two outs. Then Dan Winkler hits Dexter Fowler in the bottom of his right pinky. He gets on first again, and Rowan Wick comes in to replace Winkler. He's able to get Andrew Kisner to strike out looking. So the Cubs limit the damage, still up 6-3. It would stay that way after the Cubs go 1-2-3 against Nabil Kismet. Uh, Javi Baez hit a ball well. He had a couple of good swings today. It was a better approach, I think. and He looked like Javi Baez with coming through the bat or coming through the zone with the bat with power. Um, still hit a fly ball to right field, though, for an out. Almora grounded out weakly immediately after on the first pitch he saw. The Wilson Contreras saw some pitches, six pitches to be exact, that struck out looking to end the bottom of the eighth. So top of the ninth, it's Rowan Wick who comes up. He's able to get Matt Shrook to pop out, but walks Colton Wong, strikes out Tommy Edmond swinging, which was an impressive at bat. Eight pitches from Tommy Edmond. Wong and Edmond in that inning alone made Warwin Wick throw 15 pitches to them together. Just so frustrating. 
but it ends up not mattering because Paul Goldschmidt is able to, or Rowan Wick is able to get Paul Goldschmidt to strike out to end the game. The Cubs hold on and win 6-3. to three. Um, Impressive win. This Cardinals team, good, not great. The Cubs, once again, taking care of business against the bullpen. Um, they've just made these guys throw so many pitches. Ponce de Leon only got to the fourth inning, but threw 79 pitches. They then made Seth Elridge and Ryan Messenger throw 31 and 40 pitches. Jesus Cruz, 39 pitches, and the Bill Kismet, 18 pitches in an inning in the third. Um, he saw the least amount of relievers, but that is nuts. You had, you had your three relievers throw just as many, almost more pitches than Ponce de Leon did <laughs> uh, in just two innings. Like, that's nuts. Nuts. So, uh, oh, man. Uh the Cubs are seeing some pitches, and that was nice to see. And then, I mean, you compare that to what Casey Winkler or Casey Sadler, Dan Winkler, and Rowan Wick saw. You're talking about 27, 13, and 27. And Rowan Wick had 15 coming from Edmund and Wong in that in that that bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth, excuse me. So, Cubs Cubs seeing pitches, being patient. It paid off with the home run from Kyle Schwarber. Some insurance runs coming through. The power hasn't quite been there, and we talk about that. Ryan and I do throughout this lineup. We're seeing shortages throughout, but. Overall, a good win. We've got the doubleheader coming up. The first game is expected to be Jack Flaherty, who is making, I think, his second start of 2020. He made one start against Pittsburgh back on July 24th. Won seven innings, allowed six hits, two runs. Uh, both of them are in six strikeouts. He's got a 2.57 ERA in the season. Alec Mills on the year. He's managed to go three times on the season so far. He's got a 2-1 record with a 2.84 ERA, 14 strikeouts to just six walks, two home runs allowed. Uh, in his last start, he did take the loss against Milwaukee. Six innings, five hits, four earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, and one single home run on 80 pitches. So that's what the first game looks like. It does not look like the Cubs have announced who is going to be the second starter for this game quite yet. If I had to guess, I would assume it'd probably be Edward Elsley if he's healthy. It sounds like he might get a shot at this. Otherwise, the Cubs could go once again with, you know, I guess I'm assuming Dwayne Underwood, Colin Ray, or probably two guys are going to get into this game early. They could go with someone in the Tyson Miller mold, basically just kind of someone to open the game maybe for a couple innings and then get it to Underwood, Rhea, and then hopefully you've got your back end, your bullpen. I could see Kimbrell getting some work here at some point in either one of these games, especially if it becomes a blowout one way or the other. So, but hey, um, you know, <laughs> we'll have to kind of see what happens there. But we'll probably get more news on who is going to be pitching in this second game relatively soon, since I know it's a one o'clock start time for that first game. Len Casper said coverage starts at noon on Marquee. I'm looking forward to it. I have nothing planned for Wednesday besides work. So to get, you know, Seven hours of Cubs baseball, I'm not upset about it. So, But with that, we are going to kick it over to our interview with Ryan Davis where we kind of take a look at the season and what the trade deadline could produce for the Cubs and try and give you guys an idea of what those targets might look like for 2020. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Winder, often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brands his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and access to autorock.com at home in your pocket. Autorock.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to autorock.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in an easy few clicks delivered directly to your door. 
Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to autorock.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so you know who sent you. It's us. (laughs) Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com What's going on, Cubs fans? You are listening to Locked On Cubs with myself, Sean Sears, and joining me, of course, is Ryan Davis. Ryan, what's going on today, man? Not much. Just yeah. uh, still enjoying that victory uh, that the Cubs pulled out. Like, I guess we could say pulled out of their butts, kind of, yeah. against the Cardinals yesterday. That was like I did not expect them to win that game at all. No, I don't know if you saw like the tweet progression that that Brett had from Bleacher Nation where he was like, oh man, if, if Victor Carantini hits a home run here, I'll, I'll, you know, chug a beer or something like that. And he's like, all right, David Bodie, I guess the offer still stands yeah. that it was he hit the home run and he was like, oh my effing God. And then the next video was him chugging a beer in his garage. <laughs> of course. Yes. Very Brett. I, but uh, yeah, his job is so hard. Yeah, I know. That's what his wife said. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a rough life, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much exactly how I felt. I mean, I was um, I was pretty turned off by the Cubs after that first game, especially because Hendricks pitched so well, um, and they just could not. God, I, I think the amount of times the Cubs swung at the first pitch with the bases loaded in two outs in that Cardinals game and then in the Brewers game was like every time. Every time. Yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah like, so I tweeted – I tweeted this, and uh, if you follow me, you would have seen it. Um, I uh, I was at work right up until 5 o'clock, and that was when, uh, I guess, Chris Bryant walked, or I can't remember how he got on base, but then yeah. uh, Anthony Anthony Rizzo walked, and then it was first and second, nobody out with Javier Baez coming up, and that's when it hit 5 o'clock. And I was listening to the game on the radio at work, so I turn it off. I grab my stuff. I walk out the door to my car, probably a total of 30 seconds from the moment I turned it off, which was like right as Rizzo was walking. And mm-hmm. when I get in the car, I turn on the radio and they're already at commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, the, is it a pitching change? Or they, yeah. you know, they pull the pitcher and they come back and it's the top of the next inning. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. How is this possible? <laughs> God. And of course, yeah, I had to look it up and it was, you know, first pitch, Javier Baez, ground ball, double play, and then I think two pitches to uh whoever was batting behind him in, in the first game and yeah popped it up. And it's like, oh yeah, uh, it's frustrating <laughs> because it feels like an extension of the twenty nineteen and you know, maybe to, to a degree the twenty eighteen offense as well. But if you look at it, the Cubs offense hasn't been that bad, even when they've been struggling Two of those losses against the Brewers, they scored five runs. Um, I looked this up there 11 and three when they score four or more runs, which is really good. Yeah. Um, But they haven't been shut out at all this year. And uh, their loss to the Cardinals in the first game, which was only seven innings uh, is the only game that they've only scored one run this year. Uh, And they're two and one in games where they score two runs. So yeah, it's it, it has felt bad the last couple of days because it felt like they're kind of turning into the 2019 Cubs mm. right before your eyes. But uh, it's still the numbers say it's been better, which is encouraging. 
Yeah, and it, it, it definitely is. Even like the a couple of games, and I talked about this on the podcast uh, yesterday's um, podcast, and it even felt like some of the Brewers series, like that second game, they just got eaten up by Peralta and, and Williams in that big zone. But even then, like they were still having patient at-bats. It just felt like they were either missing the pitch or uh, they were just getting some of these called three strikes that were just kind of like, well, damn, you know, like Cubs were getting the calls, but like it was just hard to see some of these like breaking balls that like were, were very clearly off the plate, but were getting called strikes. So I think some frustration set in from the weekend, but yeah, I mean, even, even in that Cardinals game, like the Cubs worked good opportunities to score. It just felt like a guy like Wilson Contreras was swinging at the first pitch or Javi Baez grounded into a double play on a weak ball in the lower part of the zone. It's like, see some pitches. This guy's obviously struggling. He just walked you guys, you know, like to yeah. take that first pitch. So I don't know. I, I, I can appreciate the aggressive approach in certain situations, but it just seems like the Cubs pick and choose weird moments to, to swing hard at the wrong time. And uh, I think it's the hero element sometimes, but that's also me talking as a meatball. So uh, <laughs> but even still, I think, I think the biggest glaring issue through this season so far has, has been this bullpen. It's, it's hard to find a guy you can look at and say, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. And even Kyle Ryan, who we, who we were hoping would kind of turn the corner, gave up two back-to-back home runs against guys against Brad Miller, who's a lefty and apparently is the new, <laughs> is the new, uh, I don't insert Cardinal player that smashes the Cubs here. I guess Matt Carpenter, even though he did hit the Cubs as well too, but he was hot in that double header. But Kyle Ryan still struggled. You, you see guys like Dan Winkler's like been really lucky <laughs> a few times getting some key double plays and like, you know, starting an inning with two walks and finding a way to strike out three guys. Like they shoot themselves in the foot a little bit, but this bullpen, obviously things need to come together or change at this point. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline, which is what about two weeks away. Yeah. And uh, you know, the Cubs could really use a reliever or two, but uh, I, I pointed this out before we came on mm-hmm. um, uh, Dwayne Underwood jr. Had looked not as good as you kind of hoped he would uh, earlier this year. And I know a lot of people had talked about his velocity was down. So I looked it up because I didn't see him pitch in the second game against the Cardinals. Um, but I noticed he picked up his first major league win and he went an inning and a third, no hits, no walks, two strikeouts on 20 pitches, which is good. 13 of them for strikes. So I went and looked it up and um, he had been um, in his previous game, which was that big blowout against Kansas City Royals. It was 11 days prior to his next appearance. So he had, you know, 10 off days really where he didn't pitch. But in the previous game, his fastball velocity was 93.2 miles per hour on average, which is down. And that's been kind of the big conversation around him. Velocity was down. But uh, in yesterday's game against the Cardinals, uh, or the doubleheader game against the Cardinals, uh, 96.1 velocity ticked up quite a bit. So he was much better, and the velocity was better. The velocity on his changeup was also better. Same for his curveball. So it sounds like there's hope for Dwayne Underwood Jr. to maybe be a, a decent arm in the bullpen. So if they can get him going right, that would be a huge help. Yeah, he's a big piece and a guy that I, I think you and I both looked at at the start of the season and thought, you know, well, it'd be nice if we could get a guy like Dwayne Underwood who can, you know, routinely was throwing 96 miles an hour or higher at times and has 
good stuff typically when that that velocity is there but what you know i mean like 84 85 miles an hour we're seeing sometimes on fastballs like consistently hitting 87 like you know it's not good when you're coming out of the bullpen and kyle Hendricks is throwing harder than you um so (laughs) obviously things need to change but yeah definitely encouraging and i know you mentioned here like 11 days off between when he last pitched in that blowout against the royals to when he pitched yesterday you know, maybe he just needed a moment to regather himself, get back to where he needed to be. But the velocity, if that, if those numbers stay the same, that's probably a piece the Cubs can hopefully rely on for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, the, the fastball velocity before, again, you know, we're, we're looking around 93 uh, with a changeup that was, you know, 80, 86, 85. Right now, yet yesterday's game, 96 on the fastball, 89 on the changeup. And then it, even his curveball ticked up to 82.6. So, I mean, those are, he has good stuff. Like you said, it's just that his stuff isn't good enough. If the fastball is 93 without, you know, too much movement on it, 96, I think he can live there and be quite effective. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. If he's earned a little bit of David Ross's trust um, with that performance yesterday, maybe he doesn't have to wait 11 more days to pitch again. Maybe he gets back out there again and we'll see if, if he can sustain it. Definitely. Um, one guy I do want to highlight before we start talking a little bit about the deadline, uh, Ryan Tapiro has looked really good. He struggled a little bit to start, but now he, I think he leads the bullpen with 14 strikeouts. Uh, he had three strikeouts in his one inning of relief against the Cardinals yesterday. Uh, he's looking really good. And obviously Rowan Wick and Jeremy Jeffers have both been pretty solid at the back end. I think they're, I think three and two saves combined between them or five saves combined, I guess, however you want to call that. But um, Tapir's a guy that has high velocity, obviously can strike dudes out. I don't think he's, I think he has maybe two walks on the season and about eight and two thirds of work. Uh, that's nice. You hope that continues. I know Casey Sadler got beat up a little bit too, but both him and Tapir, I was liking his middle relief options. Yeah. And, you know, we're obviously about, we'll call it two thirds of the way through the month. But Mm -hmm. uh, after they had had their awful start uh, as a bullpen, uh, just pulling up the stats here, 21 and two thirds innings in July uh, out of the pen with a 9.55 ERA, which is like hilariously bad. Yeah. Um, uh, August has been completely different story. 45 and a third innings out of the pen, 43 strikeouts in those 45 and a third, which is pretty good. You're talking about basically one per inning. Uh, 15 walks only compared to 20 walks in those 21 and two thirds the month before. So walking way less guys and only a 3.38 ERA. So uh, it's been a lot better. It sounds like David Ross has uh, done a good job kind of shuffling through his relievers quickly, which is something we've talked about before where Joe Madden didn't really do that. He struggled to, he, he stuck with guys a little too long where, yeah. you know, we, we talked about this on a previous podcast. He didn't stick with, uh, Craig Kimbrell in the closer spot like Joe Madden might have or you know it's unfair to pick on Madden other managers too uh, would have stuck with a guy a little bit longer whereas Ross was like quick hook no it's it's clearly not working um, so they pulled him from the closer spot they they've used him in uh, positions where uh, he can just get a little bit of work in and mm-hmm. another guy last time he was out uh, his mechanics were a little bit different uh, he wasn't showing the ball quite as early. Uh, so I, I saw, I'll give credit, full count. Tommy on Twitter was the first person yeah. to point that out that I noticed where he's showing the ball a little bit later now. And he controlled both his fastball and his curveball 
his last outing. It, it, the last two, really. The, the, the first one, I, I remember saying on Twitter, it wasn't perfect, but it looked a lot better, and the results were there. The last one, it looked really good, and yeah. the results were also there. Uh, so uh, that's really key. If, if Kimbrell's back uh, you know, pitching really well again, uh, then you're talking about uh, Kimbrell and Rowan Wick, who's been really good going back to when they you know, first brought him in last year. Jeremy Jeffress, who's been you know, outstanding so far, despite the fact that he's not really striking anybody out. He, he's not walking anyone. He hasn't you know, given up a ton of hits or anything. Uh, Tapero, who you talked about, Casey Sadler has been good. Kyle Ryan's been, you know, hit and miss. He's basically their only lefty, which is concerning. But, you know, then you've got Dwayne Underwood, who maybe is coming around. You've got Colin Ray, who looked good out of the bullpen in his mm-hmm. couple appearances. So there are some guys. You talked about Dan Winkler. I'm not a huge fan of his, considering how many people he walks, but. Uh, and the fact that he only throws like 91, 92, that's, that's 93, maybe not, not the best, but uh, there's the makings of a decent bullpen here. And we haven't even talked about Quintana who it should be on his way back at some point. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got to put someone either Tyler Chatwood or Alec Mills in the bullpen. I would assume at this point, probably be Chatwood because he's on the IL. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would say, I know uh, it sounded like Quintana threw 61 pitches, uh, on Sunday in South Bend. He's got a simulation game coming up, but after that sim game, Ross said it should put him back maybe one day, but it sounds like they're planning on him being in the rotation sometime coming next week at the latest. So that's good to hear. He could even be back by this weekend. But yeah, having Katana back at the very least gives you another pitcher because you you clearly need it. Um, I know it sounded like Albert Alzley was expected to get maybe the nod in one of these double headers. It doesn't sound like that's going to be an option now. So he's coming at the right time. You you appreciate it. Um, It was nice to see Tyson Miller get a shot yesterday. He looked okay. Uh, Obviously, he gave up the home run to, uh, who was it? I think Brad Miller two run shot or something yeah. like that in the third, something like that. But, and again, it's, it's David Ross having that quick hook. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyson Miller probably could have gone longer in that game, but um, yeah, he, he didn't want it to get out of hand and he gave up two runs in two innings. It wasn't bad. Only one hit. He walked three, didn't strike out anybody. So um, not, not the worst major league debut, but yeah, um, it, it is nice knowing that uh, you have some arms in your bullpen that you can rely on. And then if you add, Chatwood down the road to that bullpen mix uh, with that fastball that he pumped up to about a hundred yeah. in the pen last year. Um, there's, there's some decent room for um, the Cubs to actually rely on their bullpen a little bit if, if they can get all these guys going, but yeah, I, I think it's probably time to talk about who they could trade for. Cause I think they need a lefty. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty, pretty fair here. I know you and I were talking before. It's, it's hard to figure out who's really going to be selling. It's going to be a quiet deadline, but I know you, he picked out a couple names from the Red Sox. I know one of the guys, Brandon Workman got beat up a little bit, but there was another one too, Philip Valdez, who I pulled up his numbers on fan graphs and I kept thinking, yeah, this could be an option, but I, I guess, what are your thoughts so far on these guys? Yeah, I think it's slim pickings and there yeah. are a lot of teams that, um, now view themselves as contenders uh you know rightly so because it's a a short season and um you have eight teams from each league getting into the postseason so there's fewer teams who are going to want to sell and uh teams that view themselves as legitimate contenders uh it's a lot more this year so uh, the red sox have a few like you said brandon workman 
Um, he hasn't pitched a lot this year, but he strikes out a lot of guys. He um, has been – he has a somewhat of a track record. He's 31 years old. He's been good for the Sox for a few years. Uh, they have a couple other guys. You said Phillips Valdez is 28 years old, um, 12 strikeouts and 13 and a third innings. He's only allowed uh, one earned run. Um, another guy named Heath Hembree, 31 years old with the, with the Red Sox, probably a guy you could trade for. Uh, but then I look at, like, um, Tony Watson is a name that I think is yeah. really interesting. You probably don't have to trade a lot to get him. His peripheral numbers haven't looked very good. Um, so you're, you're, you'd kind of just be taking a flyer on a guy. Um, if you go back, if you combine his 2018, I'm sorry, his 2019 and 2020 with the Giants, he's made 68 appearances, 60 and two-thirds innings. He allowed 60 hits. He's only walked 13 batters. Uh, so it's less than two walks per nine, but he doesn't strike out many guys. He has a 4.77 FIP, and he's allowed 1.5 home runs per nine. Now, that's not good if you look <laughs> at the peripheral numbers. That's not good at all. But he's uh, 35 years old. He's a lefty uh, who gets lefties out, uh, I, I think. Um, he, he has does. a track record. Um, I, I realized when I said that I didn't look up his splits, so I, I was going on gut instinct, what I've seen him do. I've got his splits uh, up here. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I remember seeing him get lefties out. So yeah, and and his career, he has an ERA under three for his career. Uh, so this is a guy who's done his job over the course of a career, and you know maybe hasn't been great uh, the last you know year plus, but uh, you might be able to sneak out a good two months from him, right? So yeah. that's what you're looking to do. And and I don't think he's making crazy money, uh, three million dollars this year, uh, pro you know whatever that prorated to the 60 games so right uh, it, it wouldn't be you know really putting you way over the top to add a guy like that and it probably wouldn't cost a whole lot no the another guy i was looking at from the giants roster is uh is jarlin garcia uh or arlen mm-hmm. garcia um yeah i think he's got like three walks to one strikeout he's only thrown four innings got a year if he hasn't given up a run yet but um he's another guy maybe you take a flyer on he's a guy that i think he had success with the marlins a couple years ago he's only 27 years old um and I mean, he he's not anything special. He's nothing really anything you'd be super excited about, but no one really hits him very hard. He keeps the ball low on the ground. I think he's his career high of like, I think his career uh, caper nine is like 6.3. So he's not mowing dudes down and he does have issues with walks, but he's also another guy you could probably take a flyer on. It wouldn't cost you very much. The giants, it doesn't look like our team that are going to be anything serious. I think they've lost like seven games in a row something like that, five games in a row. So, like, a team that's trending down, they might be a team you can maybe pick someone up from. But uh, another name I like, too, not a lefty, but an interesting guy uh, was Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates. Um, he's yeah. an interesting piece, too. I know he's most dudes down. He does have – when he's thrown well, he's averaging about 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He's got an ERA right now, 3.2, 1-2, and 12 strikeouts compared to just one walk. I don't know if the – Pirates necessarily want to trade into the division, but they're obviously not going to use a 30-year-old reliever in his prime in the next couple of years. He could be another target too. Could be. You also have to look at service time for some of these guys. And when I was looking at him, I remembered, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he, yeah, he. I don't think he can be a free agent until 2024. So a couple of these guys, you know, um, that's true. I didn't even think of service uh, same, time. Same, <laughs> same thing for Harlan Garcia. I think that's a guy who isn't going to be a free agent for at least a few years. So you have to weigh the fact that some of these teams might want to hold on to these guys long-term. But um, you know, the example I gave of uh, 
Tony Watson. Uh, in theory, that's a guy that you might be able to trade for because he's on, I think this is the last year of his deal. Uh, it's 3 right. million and whatever the prorated number of that is. He's an older guy. So, but, but again, you have a lot of teams that might be calling about a guy like Tony Watson because he does check all the boxes, a guy with a track record, a guy who doesn't cost a ton of money, a guy who's going to be a free agent after the year. Um, so you probably have a lot of teams that'll be interested in him. So maybe the price is higher for a guy like Tony Watson than in yeah. years past because there's just not that many Tony Watsons out there. That's that, honestly, that's a huge point too. Cause like with so many teams looking to compete, uh, obviously everyone's going to think they're in. So uh, it, it's going to be a weird deadline. I'm sure we probably won't see a lot of updates until towards the very end of it. Um, outside of, I'm sure there might be like one or two random moves that kind of pre date the deadline there always is a few but this is going to be such a weird moment in baseball because like it's so hard to justify selling as it is to justify buying right now because you know like the cubs you, you see you could all you they, they they very much deserve to lose five in a row after that rough weekend thank god for david Bodie. but um you know up until that point i think you and i are both saying like yeah the, the cubs look good this might be a good team and now we see them kind of scuffle against two division rivals especially Man, the Brewers, how many times have the Cubs had a chance to really hammer them out of the division and just not <laughs> just not hit that nail, man? <laughs> just they just constantly fail at knocking the Brewers out. I mean, if if they win three of four in that series, you know, Milwaukee's looking at their chances in the division way differently, right? You right. Know, they're I think they're ten and ten now. Uh so if you take away uh, you know, two of those wins, then they're eight and 12. That's, that's completely different. So uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating that they just can't seem to consistently beat Milwaukee and that the Brewers are always just on their heels. It's, you know, like, what are you going to do? It's been, right. it's been this way since like September of 2018 as well. Exactly. It, it really has it, it, even like, cause I think even in 2018, a lot of us were just kind of like, what is this Brewers team's going to do it? And then they did, they, they quite literally took the division from the Cubs um, while they continue to scuffle through things. And it feels like they've never really regained that necessarily, not necessarily dominance, but like the competition between the Brewers and Cubs, it just felt like even in this series, it, even when the Cubs were having good at bats or whatnot, the Brewers were just finding ways to, to get them out. So it's, yeah. It's frustrating. They've got a very good bullpen. Uh, maybe not very good, but a pretty talented bullpen with guys that can miss bats. Uh, I would love to take some of the, like Devin Williams, watching him pitch yesterday, uh, on, I think it was Friday last week. I was like, God, why, why can't the Cubs get a guy like him? You know, it, just a dude who yeah. throws hard, has a nice breaking ball. It doesn't have to necessarily throw a ton of strikes, but the pitches are so vicious, you, you've got to anticipate it, so. Yeah, it's it's frustrating that the, it seems like everyone else finds pitchers, especially the Brewers. We'll say it this way: the Brewers finds find pitchers, and they turn them into quality relievers. Whereas the Cubs find pitchers, and they immediately lose velocity. Yeah, and that that's just that's the frustrating thing. You look at their bullpen. Uh, I I don't remember who said it, but a while back somebody said, I think this was about last year's Cubs, maybe mm -hmm. that that their their bullpen was like a really good bullpen from three years prior. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was like, Brett. Yeah. He said something like, uh, yeah, the Cubs have the best 2018 bullpen right now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, 
yeah, like Craig Kimbrell, Jeremy Jeffress. That's a great one too at the back of the bullpen if it's 2018. Right. Um, or even just Kelvin Herrera being in the mix along with like uh, was Cody Allen's the oh, other guy yeah. they picked up. Yeah. Oh I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- <laughs> those guys haven't even made it to the big leagues yet to show if they've got anything left. Yeah. Uh, the other hard hard thing about it is how do you know if they have anything left because they're just throwing like practice games against kids at South Bend. Right. Yeah. Not necessarily great competition when it's, you know, Brendan Davis and Mark Zagunas going up against <laughs> no no offense to those guys, but obviously not right. proven major league players. So yeah. It's it's a lot of picking and choosing. I, I know the Cubs are probably going to reevaluate how they put together bullpens going forward. And it sounded like this year Hodavi had a lot of say in who he wanted uh in this group. And there's guys here you can see the promise that 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 these guys saw in some of these arms, every single one of them, we've, we've seen them do something. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see why you're giving this guy a shot, but um, yeah, some established pitchers would be pretty cool or maybe just some young guys with some heat. I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and I, there's, there's one other thing that they need and I don't think they're going to find it anywhere. And that is offense. And they've been pretty good on offense this year and they've scored enough runs. And I, I kind of said that earlier that they haven't been shut out. They have, they only scored one run in, or in one game. They've scored two or more in almost every single game. So that, that's been good. They've, they've been putting runs on the board, but just looking at OPS plus to kind of simplify this, mm-hmm. Nico Horner's OPS plus 41. Yeah, not good. Javier Baez, 63. Chris Bryant, 62 and for those who aren't as uh number savvy on the advanced numbers 100 is league average so david Bodie is 101 so he's basically a league average hitter um this season so Baez 63 bryant 62 victor caratini 88 steven susan 93 albert almora 17 so you've Got a couple guys like Jason Kipnis, 195. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Happ, 168. But Kyle Schwarber, 108. Uh, his slugging percentage is 409. Kyle yeah. Schwarber has three home runs and three doubles, and that's it for his extra base hits. Uh, you, you need more than that. Uh, Wilson Contreras got off to a hot start. Uh, he's hitting 231 with a 415 slugging. Uh, two home runs, which I think he he hit both of them fairly early on. So, like – they need their guys to step up and, and hit more. I'm not expecting anybody on this team to hit 25 home runs in 60 games. That's, that, that's ridiculous to expect, but it'd be nice if they got like one guy to, I don't know, 17 or 18. And right now Rizzo leads the way with five uh, and that's fine. That's a good number for, you know, only having played, you know, whatever, 19 games, but yeah. um you know, they just, they're not hitting for a lot of power right now, uh, especially recently. It feels like other teams hit home runs at a much higher rate than the Cubs do. And that that's really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, we saw the Cardinals hit three home runs yesterday or on Monday. I think it was three, four, three home runs. Yeah, whereas like he had like club that one and that was great, but also solo shot. But yeah, I think and David Bodie got one too. That's but yeah, duh, duh, obviously. Very, very big one. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Javier Baez, three home runs all earlier in the year. Uh, Contreras, two home runs. Bryant, two home runs. Uh, Ian Happ has four. That's really good. Schwarber, only three. You know, that they need more than that. They need more out of these guys. Um, they, you know, 409 slugging percentage for Schwarber. 
uh, a three third. I'm sorry, a three twenty three slugging for Bryant. That's not going to be good enough. Three sixty three no. slugging for Baez. That's not good enough. You know, they no. they need these guys to come out of their slumps, uh, especially Bryant, who hasn't looked good the entire season. And that you know, again, it's only been like three weeks, but that's frustrating. You you know, you need them. Yeah, and I, I think the the early part of the season we were seeing like Javi wasn't necessarily hitting well, but still hitting home runs. And that bottom half lineup of like Kipnis and Bodie and in Hap too in the middle of that lineup, we're driving a lot of runs along with Wilson Contreras, while like guys like Rizzo and even Bryant when he was healthy for a little bit was still getting on base uh, surprisingly well. Jason Hayward doing the same, and those guys are scoring a lot of runs because the bottom half of the lineup was driving them in and. Now those guys have cooled off a little bit. Kipnis is getting more bad, so he's not getting an extra base hit every time he steps to the plate. Um, so yeah. that's starting to taper off. But, yeah, exactly. You need guys like Schwarber, Baez, and Bryant to really start picking up the slack because that's how your offense is going to score runs through 60 games. It, and it's a depth issue as well, right? You know, if you had better depth, you could uh, be fine when Javier Baez struggles because, you know, Nico Horner could step in and, and – play well with uh Jason Kipnis at second base but Horner hasn't hit yet so you don't have much going on there Bodie you know with the home run yesterday was great uh but he's hitting 209 with a 306 on base he's basically a league average hitter so you know he he brings a little bit but again it's not not a guy who's going to step in and perform like Javier Baez frequently you know a guy like Kyle Schwarber you know you're not getting a whole lot out of him other than a 354 on base uh, Jason Hayward's been a, a decent hitter when he's been out there. Um, Victor Caratini, again, not really hitting much for power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Souza hit that solo home run the other day, but really that's all he's given you. Uh, he hasn't done a yeah. whole lot. Otherwise Albert Alborna and Josh Fagley, they have done nothing with the bat uh, and they've made no changes on offense uh, so far this year uh, that I can tell it, it's been the same 14 guys. Yeah, um, they haven't shuffled anybody in or out. They haven't brought up Ian Miller. They, you know, they haven't made really any additions to the offense to try and add more depth. And that's been concerning. Is just that these guys that they have, you know, again, you, you would hope that Bryant and Baez and Schwarber and Contreras turn it around and figure it out. But if they don't, you don't have anybody who's going to step in and, and help. I just don't see, see Stephen Souza or Albert Armora or Josh Fegley you know, getting in the lineup and really doing damage to pick up the slack for those guys. Yeah. And, and those are your three probably pinch hitting right handed hitters coming off your bench. Yeah. And I mean, like we talked about it when Josh Fagley came in and obviously it sounded like Chris Bryant wasn't available to pinch hit in that game, but still like Josh Fagley's coming in over Albert Almora, who's like also not great, but like you don't even trust Almora to get in here. Or you're going to put your backup backup catcher in like wow right like what is what's the deal here so and the other weird thing is i was under the impression that josh fagley what he does well is frame pitches and he's been used almost exclusively as a dh yeah and what is going on (laughs) and yeah again you know i I praise david ross for the things that he's done well uh so i gotta get on him for this um you know josh fagley has a career 647 ops uh He's hit, you know, what, 12 home runs last year uh, for the Oakland A's, you know, so fine. He, he had a decent amount of home runs in a basically half a season. So he has uh, a reasonable amount of pop, but he's just not a good overall hitter and never really has been. So 
I don't understand why you're using him as a DH when, you know, again, there's really just no good options. That's got to be part of it. But um, if there's no good options, they need to go dig down into the South Bend club and try and pull up somebody. They had Derek Dietrich. They ended up releasing him because they weren't putting him on the big league roster. Uh, he got, he signed somewhere else. I can't remember. He was Texas. Yeah. The Rangers. He's, he's, yeah, they put him right on the big league roster, and he already hit a home run. So uh, he's doing better than Fegley already. Dude, um, yeah, they gotta they gotta figure something out. And, and I, this isn't to be anti Josh Fegley. I was uh, I was pulling for him to make the roster, but you know, either use him the right way, or you know, get a little bit out of him offensively, or or find somebody else. Yeah, because at this point, it's t- it's taking a roster spot, you know. And if you're not, like you said, if you're not going to utilize him in his strengths as a as a catcher, and he's not producing with yeah. a bat, like what's he doing here? So and and really, you know, his strengths as a catcher should be, in my opinion, enough to justify a roster spot in a year where you get 28 guys. But the problem is he doesn't do anything with the bat, or at least hasn't yet. And also, Albert Almora hasn't done anything with the bat. Steven Souza hasn't done anything with the bat. Chris Bryant, Javier Baez haven't done anything with the bat. So really that makes Josh Fegley's job a little bit more on edge than, than it might have been because the rest of the guys can't perform. Right. Well, the trade deadline is coming. We've got, we're about roughly two weeks out from the deadline itself. It's expected to be a quiet off season, as we've mentioned throughout this. It's, there's not going to be a ton of moves, but the Cubs do have some issues to address. Hopefully that happens. I don't know <laughs> what exactly that'll look like. It'll be interesting to see the hot stove. Um, I don't know if you can call it a hot stove this year, but uh, is there any any uh, trade you want to predict, Ryan? And we'll hold you to it and tell you when you're wrong. Ooh, um, <laughs> Put you on the spot. Uh, if I had to pick a name, I would go with, I, I think Tony Watson's probably the best option, but uh, the Red Sox have a lot of relievers uh, and they're a team that's pretty guaranteed to be ready to sell, I think. Yeah. Uh, so maybe a guy like Josh, uh, sorry, Josh Osich, um, hard name to say, Josh mm-hmm. Osich. Um, he hasn't been like real great in his career, but um, so far this year, he's, he's been okay. Uh, 14 strikeouts and in 11 innings is a left-hander. He's 31. Again, you're not, not necessarily looking what he, at what guys have done recently, and more at you know what what do you think they could give you right. the rest of the way and and a guy like Osich might be able to um, give you a decent rest of the season. He's not making a lot of money. I doubt the Red Sox would want a ton for him. It's not like he was their prospect or anything. They you know took him off waivers from uh, the White Sox, uh, so it's not a guy who um, they have a lot invested in. So maybe that's a guy you can pull away from the Sox. And, and that's your lefty, but they need to go find somebody like that, like Osich, like Tony Watson, go find somebody that, that maybe you can get a little bit out of. And if you, you know, give them two or three games and they don't pitch well, a guy you don't mind just getting rid of at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the profile you're looking for. Cause you, you need help right now. This isn't obviously a long-term move. It never really is at the deadline, but uh, more so now than ever, you're looking for guys that, that fit that lefty profile that hopefully can get you outs for a month and a half. That's what you need. Right. And, and, you know, it, it's important to mention that because of all the factors we talked about because of the pandemic, because teams don't want to spend because it's a stupid season that doesn't make any sense and it doesn't count for anything. And, you know, all the reasons involved, 
uh, all the teams that are going to be contending that wouldn't normally be. It's it's impossible to shop for relievers. You're there's no like you know going to get um, that star left-handed you know closer or anything like that. There's no um, you know fill in the blank to Will Smith. There's a guy. There you you know, go. <laughs> last couple of years been really great with the Giants. Now he's with the Braves, but. You know, that there's no guy like that. There's no all-star closer that you're going to get. Yeah. So Zach Britton's uh, not coming to the Cubs this year, guys. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. The, the best they're going to do is go shopping in the bargain bin and find somebody like Josh Osich. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. Well, Ryan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Obviously, we'll have to bring you on again maybe later this week to talk, to recap maybe this Cardinals series and take a look at what's coming next. But uh, always nice to talk trades, even if they probably don't happen. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe Rex Brothers will figure it out and they won't, won't need to trade for anybody. <laughs> Brad Wick exists, but <laughs> we, pre- <sighs> we appreciate you guys sticking around. You enjoy the rest of your day, and as always, go Cubs. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.